Hey, Beauty Mavens. Welcome back to the Beauty Mavens podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We're here. We are still here in location in sunny Palm Springs for the Alt Summit Conference, and we're really excited about today's guest. Don't forget that we need your reviews to help other beauty mavens find us, so please just take a minute or two to tell us what you think about the podcast and add your Instagram handle so we know who you are because we like to pick a few of our favorite reviews and send some presents too. Also, don't forget that we have our Beauty Mavens Facebook group with all our listeners, and you can find that www.facebook.com slash beautymavenspodcast. And now let's get into today's episode. Podcast. Kristen and Madison are creating a space where the beauty obsessed can feel empowered to dream big and achieve their goals. It's awesome. Interviewing other mavens in the beauty industry to discover their secrets to success and how they got to be the expert that they are. Brought to you by a sister duo of estheticians and entrepreneurs. Here's your hosts, Kristen D'Oliveda and Madison Annis. So we are here with... Tyla Abbott, and we're actually going to have her introduce herself and tell us a little bit of your story. Yeah, so thanks so much for having me, ladies. Of course. I'm Tyla. I'm the founder of Aether Beauty, which is a sustainable makeup brand based in San Francisco. Uh, but my background is I used to be head of product development for Sephora for over seven years in charge of their private label brand, um, their global accessories, as well as their makeup collaboration. So anytime it said a brand plus Sephora, like Moschino or Museum of Ice Cream or Mara Hoffman or Pantone or many, many, many collabs, that was all me. So, um, yeah, so I left last April and I launched the brand in June. So the brand has only been alive for eight months, but I'm already in a ton of retailers. So I'm in Credo Beauty, I'm in Detox Market, I'm in Neiman Marcus, Anthropology, Urban Outfitters, and I'm part of Sephora's Clean Beauty campaign. So very excited for the trajectory of the company, but it's um, it's been a wild ride for one employee, which yeah. is me. <laughs> You're doing it all by yourself. I'm doing it all by myself, yeah. So I'm completely self-funded, completely female-owned, the only employee, me, myself, and I, and just going on a rocket ship. So yeah, it's been kind of crazy. <laughs> oh my god. That is yeah. incredible. Yeah, it sounds like a lot on your plate, but it also sounds amazing. Yeah, it's been all your success. People are so excited about the product. So I've only launched two products so far because I am self-funded. Yeah. So I launched last June on the summer solstice with my rose quartz palette. So um, the brand is all vegan cruelty-free, clean, organic and fair trade, and completely zero-waste packaging. And then on top of it, I infuse crystals into the formulas. So the rose quartz palette that I launched with, each shade is infused with rose quartz. And rose quartz actually has skincare benefits, so it helps to prevent against wrinkles, redness, and fine lines. So there's a reason to be in there besides the sort of spiritual meaning of the stone, which is like love and self-love and all that fun stuff. So... Yeah, and then I launched on the winter solstice with the Crystal Grid palette, and that's more of a bolder palette, and it's all metallic shades, 
and it, each shade is infused with a different crystal. So there's diamonds, sapphire, tourmaline, amethyst, amber, topaz. Literally, who doesn't want an excuse to wear like diamonds everywhere? So, <laughs> yeah, that's so and these cool. are eyeshadow palettes. They're all eyeshadow. A lot of them um, double as highlighters, so you get like multi-use out of the palettes. And then people even like dop a little on their lip gloss or like use sort of wherever on their face that they want to. So yeah. Wow, that is so cool. Yay! (laughs) So, I don't know really anything about product development or any of this world, and I'm sure a lot of people listening feel the same. Like, tell me kind of about the process. Um, I'm sure you took a lot from your, what you learned at Sephora, and like have used that into making your own products or developing your own products. So, like, kind of explain that process, what that is like. Sure. So... Before I was in beauty, I actually worked in fashion design. So I have a double master's in fashion design, and I worked for a few design houses in San Francisco for about five years before I transitioned to beauty. And um, when I was at Sephora, um, I had zero experience in beauty, actually. And I started going to job their job interviews, and it was basically for practice, actually. So I was like, oh, I have no experience in beauty. There's no way I'm going to get this job. And then, you know, when you don't want a job, you kind of um, ace the interview because you're not really nervous or (laughs) anything like that. And they kept, like, calling me in. I was like, no, really, I barely wear tinted moisturizer. Like, I really don't know anything about this. And they were like, no, well, you know what it takes to have an idea and get it produced and in stores. And we're really looking for someone to do that. So I actually came into Sephora in charge of their accessories. So makeup brushes, eyelash curlers, bags. Um, anything that was literally not formula. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was like a mental easier shift into beauty. And then in pure Sephora style, two months on the job, I got thrown into makeup formulation with like the most high pri- profile collaboration um, that the store has ever had. Oh and I was thrown in with the chief um, merchandising officer and the person who is now um, the VP of product development at Kendo, which is sort of which is sort of Sephora's arm in um, private label brands. Like, they make Kat Von D, they do Marc Jacobs, they do the Fenty brands sort of deal. Um, But this was before they sort of separated and became two separate companies. But basically, I like to say I got my third master's doing that and sort of learning from the best people in the trade. And when you ideate a product, you know, you're thinking about – the formula, but the packaging is just as important too. Yeah. You're doing the design, you're doing the copy, you're doing anything around the product, basically. You're um, doing all that? Yeah. So I do all of that. I mean, my company, I do everything. So I'm yeah. doing the branding, I do my Instagram, I do like all the sales. It's all I'm you. Doing everything. <laughs> yeah. So, um, which, you know, it sounds, I don't know if it sounds more glorious than it is, but it's definitely a lot of um, hard work. But Basically, you know, Sephora is owned by LVMH, so it's a larger parent company, and they actually have a mandate of a list of chemicals that you're not allowed to formulate with. And um, basically, because of that, I learned how to swap ingredients out all the time. And so for me, it was very easy to formulate and make the transition to clean beauty, Because in the U.S., um, they've only banned 11 11 chemicals, and the law has only been updated since 1938. And since then, there's been 16,000 chemicals introduced into the U.S. market in beauty, and we only ban 11. The EU bans 1,300. 
Um, I ban over 1400 and then on top of it, I'm vegan. So there's a lot of ingredients I don't include in my products, but it made it, it, it was like literally the fastest school of hard knocks on learning. A, if you launched a product, you know immediately if there's a problem with it because people are so adamant about ratings and reviews. So something launched, we would watch the ratings and reviews for like a week and you would like immediately know if there was a problem or if there's like a formula issue or people hated the product you would know so you got really used to understanding what the clients were looking for I got to see all the macro trends um, because I saw all the brands and what they were doing versus just being in a brand sort of silo and learning what works for that brand but you got to see everything at a much um, higher level, which made you really educated or made me really educated about um, what is trending and what's coming down the line. And then working with these formulators on let's sort of innovate and create new textures and new um, new um, shades and all this sort of stuff that you can play with. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in packaging, I'm just sort of a packaging dork. Like, I love materials. Um, I have always collected certain different, like, industrial design things. Like, I used to say, like, if I knew about industrial design, if it was an option at school, I would have probably been an industrial designer. Yeah. Um, but where I went, it wasn't an option. So, mm-hmm. but anyway. So, yeah. But there's so many. Um, so, for me, what where I started to see the whole. So, I've been a vegetarian since I was 14 and sort of living this organic lifestyle. And I have kids, all of that, and I sort of had started having a disconnect with formulating conventional beauty all the time, but really sort of concerned with the stuff that I put on my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I volunteered and became the head of R&D for sustainability for all of Sephora on top of my day-to-day job. So I was helping all bunch of different teams um, learn about their business, learn about their footprint on the environment, and help them make more sustainable choices. Because when you work for a large company, you as a single person don't necessarily feel that you might have that much of an impact. You don't really realize the power that you have yeah. until you're until you're sort of educated about it and see sort of the power that you have. So. In that, Sephora launched their Clean at Sephora campaign, and so I started meeting with all these natural brands um, and sort of seeing all their formulas, and and for me, they just were very lackluster and didn't compare to the fun, innovative formulas coming from conventional brands, Mm because I'm a Sephora girl. I know I don't necessarily have Mm -hmm. right now, Mm -hmm. but like, I like fun. I like colors. I love like Kat Von D. I love Fenty. I love all these really fun brands. But that funness wasn't there in the clean beauty space. Like it's very serious. Um, The formulas just didn't um, match up to me when it comes to like long wear. Like if I'm going to take the time to do my makeup, like it better be there two hours later sort of deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. And I just like saw the hole in the market for like a clean beauty band brand that could really compete with a conventional uh, beauty brand. So that's why I jumped ship last April and I launched the brand in June. So it's been crazy, but, um, everyone's been really positive about it. People like five-star ratings and reviews. Everyone's really excited about the sustainability aspect of the brand too. So it's been, I've been very blessed. 
That's awesome. That is so cool. So how have you been able to market your brand that's, like, so brand new? Yeah. Like, what are you doing to get the word out on this brand? Yeah, so um, I, the brand really lives on Instagram, and I have tons of, like, collages that are on there that really incorporate the crystal and the wellness and beauty and all of that. Um, so I run my own Instagram, and I definitely do Instagram ads and all that fun stuff, and mm-hmm. I do MailChimp, and then I also have a... I've outsourced my PR, so I do have one PR lady who's amazing in LA who's been able to get me over 100 press hits in less than eight months, so I've been in basically every publication, so Allure, I've been in Refinery29, I've been in like Us Weekly, I've been in, um, I was just in Oprah Magazine this month, and Allure again this month, and just, it's kind of been really awesome. So that really has helped get the word out. And then I also do events like the Alt Summit. Yeah. So I had a booth here for two days. And then I've been at Wanderlust festivals. Um, I've been at West Coast Craft Festivals because I also sort of bridge wellness because I make um, homemade smudge sticks wrapped with crystals too so it sort of bridges like the wellness aspect of the space with the crystals yeah um but yeah I try to sort of go to new markets all the time and meet different people so people just become more aware of the brand mm-hmm. wow this is incredible oh <laughs> thank you for your PR to get you into all those magazines mm-hmm. are you like paying for ad space there or is it no. like for their editors to use it yeah I don't have it? money to pay for ads <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so it's for their editors to basically, like, fall in love with the product and um, tell some stories about either the fact that I come from Sephora or a new clean beauty launch or there's a lot of sustainability aspects to the brand, too. So beyond, you know, being clean, clean, vegan, cruelty-free is just, like, a baseline for me. So on top of it, I truly source my ingredients to be sustainable. So another fun fact, unfortunately, is that 25% of the world's mica is directly related to child labor. Not a lot of people know about it. Not a lot of brands talk about it. Lush is a brand that actually makes a lot of noise about it, and they've removed mica completely from their products, which is great. Um, but basically, because there's a whole uptick in natural beauty and clean beauty, um, a base of a powder is mica. Mm-hmm. It's either mica or talc, and people don't consider talc to be clean So they're using more and more mica, actually. And so if you can't, if I can't um, um, prove where my mica is coming from, I actually substitute it with synthetic mica. And synthetic mica is exactly how it sounds. It grows in a lab. Um, It's completely clean. It's rated a one on environmental working group. It actually costs more because people make it themselves right. versus, yeah. you know, mining sort of deal. But mica, if you know what it looks like, it's kind of like this shaley crystal and it grows in the ground with other minerals there. So it's kind of like the smoky gray color. Mm-hmm. But when it's made in a lab, it's completely clear. So I get pure shades and I'm able to get different shade ranges that other brands wouldn't be able to get. So there's also a positive aspect to it besides obviously like not supporting child labor, but it's like little tricks like that that I'm able to sort of push my formulations because everybody keeps asking like, how are you able to get these and be clean where a lot of the people in the space just can't compete. So Mm -hmm. that's one little trick. That's awesome. So are you like, you're... You're, like, 
the chemist? You're formulating these, you're putting all the ingredients together, or do you say, these are the ingredients I want, and then you send them to a lab and they make it? Yeah, so basically what the process is, is you work with labs. Okay. So um, I have a whole list, like a, my own blacklist of ingredients that cannot be used in the formula. Mm-hmm. And then I create a brief with the chemist, and I say, I want X, Y, and Z. Like, I want a liquid lip that is long lasting that is not drying out that I'm just making this up right yeah yeah um that you know has some good slip to it that um you know has this sort of scent to it shape like feel you can talk about the cushion aspect of it um and you can put in key ingredients that you want used in there and you Mm -hmm. can talk about new innovative ingredients and it sort of depends on how detailed you want to be And then you work with them. So you'll get a sample and you'll be like, "Mm, this is not what I was thinking. Or maybe let's push this. Or can we use this ingredient? Or you kind of, it's a two-way conversation because they are the chemists and they know how the formulas work together. I'm not, but I have a lot of knowledge about it um, to be able to question them. So that's another thing is that people who don't necessarily know about makeup formulation They'll just take what the labs send you as, like, the best that they can do. Or, like, okay, here's the sample. We can tweak it a little bit. But, like, I am known to push back. And I did it at Sephora. And because of my history at Sephora, that's how I'm able to have the relationships with these vendors who are willing to work with me. Because some vendors are like, no, this is it. Like, this is what you get sort of deal. Um, Just because the industry is going so fast all the time and there's so many new clients. Like, they just kind of want to, like take your money and like go (laughs) sort of deal so yeah so a lot of the um, formulators I work with too like you can't even get a foot in the door with them anymore so I'm very lucky to have had those relationships um, to be able to you know continue sort of pushing the envelope that's interesting because I mean we interview a lot of people that are like doing services or they have their own product and it always goes back to relationships and even here mm-hmm. having this huge makeup empire it all goes back to relationships. Hundred percent. Yeah. So you know I don't believe in just sending an email like literally like anything in real life or like picking up the phone like I've worked with people of all different ages and I've had younger people come in even at Sephora and they just send like a gazillion emails and there's like a problem or 911 I'm like no 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 just like get on the phone like let's talk about it let's figure out like a solution like these emails are never going to solve anything and people take them the wrong way too like um so you know and like literally like I get so many freaking emails a day that I'm like, if I could just pick up the call and, like, avoid, like, 10 emails back and forth, like, my life will be so much better. Um, And then, you know, you're able to, you know, it's a relationship. So even stuff is always going to happen. Stuff's going to be late. Stuff's not going to come in on time, like, come in how you ordered it or, you know, but it's always like, okay, well, let's figure out a better solution for both of us. And so... um, it's all relationship building. So, and the same with like PR, the same with anything. Like I actually message every single person on my Instagram. Like my PR people can like analyze all the stuff. They're like, oh, you had 16,000 interactions last month. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, don't tell me that. They're like, no, that's great. I'm like, no, like, <laughs> like it's just crazy. But I really, um, cause you're messaging all the people that are following you. Or- I message everyone who follows me. Um, uh, people ask me questions all the time. Like it, it is me answering them. There isn't anyone else. 
Um, so yeah, so that's been really interesting. And then it also helps your engagement. So because you're talking to them, you know, all your set, you know, using the Instagram fun algorithm, like helps with that. So, so I've been able being to in your messages helps. Yeah, totally. Well, mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> what makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think you end up popping up in their feed more if you actually do interact with them. Um, but I have grown it to over 14,000 in eight months. So, and that that's amazing. There's no like paid followers or anything like that. So, yeah. um, it's been kind of great. Yeah, that is so great. Yeah. And so fast. So, when someone follows you, are you sending them like a, hey, this is about my brand? Totally. Because or... it's so easy to just look at my brand and think it's like a large company, even mm-hmm. though I only have a few products. So I'm trying to, like, let them know, like, and get credit for the fact that I'm doing it all on my own. Like, hey, like, it's just me. Like, I, you know, used to work at Sephora, and I did this on my own, and it's all clean, you know, vegan, cruelty-free, all of that fun stuff. And I'm like, girl power. Because <laughs> it is, That's right? So cool, yeah. yeah. It's like, it reminds me, because, like, when we walked up to your booth, yeah. and you were, like, explaining that. And so when you see people in person, and you're, like, pitching your brand or your business like you're gonna tell them all these things but then when they come to your page I've never thought about like messaging them being like hey just so you know like this is what we do this is what you find so that's like really cool because that is like you're creating and fostering those relationships yeah it's creating online totally and people have even commented a lot being like wow I've never had a brand actually reach out to me before yeah and it makes them feel important which they are they're all your clients Mm -hmm. they should be they are important and like I want them to know that if they have a question or anything that they want to know like I'm happy to answer it um just don't send me like 10 messages (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool I've never heard that before yeah that's a really great tip I don't know totally yeah, I'm part of a lot of small women businesses and like um, we're always trying to like share information and mm-hmm. like help raise each other up. So like I'm always like, dude, you need to message people like it really just helps with like the client really feeling like you're, they're important because they are. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you how you got into working with th- those huge companies mm-hmm. like Anthropology, Neiman Marcus, yeah. Urban Outfitters. So um, it's kind of funny. So I, before I left Sephora, I told them, I was like, love you guys. Like, peace out. Like, let's talk in three years. Like, just so you know, not saying you're going to buy my brand, but like, I can't afford you for, like, at least three years. And a month after I left, before I even launched product yet, so I had an Instagram and I had, like, a landing page, um, there is this national company called NPD that large retailers pay money to be a part of. So they get their data from all their different companies. So Sephora would, like, pay money. So Sephora gives this company their data, but then they have access to anyone else in there. So like they have access to Max information or Ulta's information or anyone in the beauty industry. So you can see, you know, who's winning in fragrance, who's winning in eyeshadow palettes, what brand mm-hmm. is like selling gun, you know, all the makeup brushes sort of thing. Um, but it costs a pretty penny to be in there. And like, um, they analyze all this information. So that it gives them like holes in the market and they can like make new business development and, um, different opportunities for them having this access, yeah. right? But this company every year comes to Sephora and does like a huge trend presentation. Um, and they presented my brand back to Sephora as like a California wellness brand to watch. 
And um, all of a sudden, my phone was blowing up, and my friends were like, oh, my God, we're all like screaming. <laughs> and I get, like, a text from the buyer. She's like, are you sure? Like, let's have a conversation. And I was like, I'm willing to have a conversation, but I've been on the other side negotiating those contracts. Like, I know, like, it can make or break, like, a small indie brand. So it took me three months to negotiate the contract with Sephora, but um, here I am. And then the other ones, basically, Credo Beauty – they're all ex people, so there were sort of friends there. But I actually mm-hmm. launched with Credo Beauty first. And again, nobody would buy – even though I'm friends with people, they're not going to buy my product unless they believed in it. Like, right. you yeah. know, it's all – they get bonused on their sales, and it's not like we're friends, but that doesn't mean, it's you know. Business. Yeah. So the other ones were all organic on their own. So I actually haven't approached retailers at all. They've all approached me. Um Because of the PR, because of the press, because of the whole clean beauty aspect. So, and I also won an award because it's all zero waste. Mm -hmm. So my eyeshadow palette is the first zero waste eyeshadow palette in the beauty industry. So Mind Body Green gave me an Earth First Award last Mm -hmm. year for that. And basically, you know, the other aspect for me is packaging is just as important, but beyond the aesthetic issue or the mm-hmm. aesthetic pleasing yeah. aspect of it. Um, you know, like I said, I have kids. I live here on this earth. I know what's going on. Like the EPA just said a third of the landfill waste is from personal care products. Like wow. that's crazy to me. And when I was the head of R&D for sustainability, I visited a ton of recycling centers. I went to a ton of conferences. um, And I also talked to a bunch of engineers in this space to really learn how products actually get recycled. Because it's not what you think it is. Mm -hmm. You don't just, like, put it in the recycling bin and then it magically ends up becoming, like, a new milk jug. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen that way. A lot of things are combined different materials. Um, A lot of things get... um, food waste on them like you are really supposed to clean out all your products before you put them in the recycling bin I went to one of the recycling places in San Francisco which is a pretty you know eco forward place yeah and if there was something that had food on it the whole like the whole recycling bin would just get thrown in the landfill like it's not just that one piece like it's such a problem um and now given like the current um uh, Trump administration, like, they've changed the laws with China because China, you know, they're fighting back and forth between the U.S. and China. They used to take all of our recycled goods. And so now they have put um, a mandate that it has to be, like, 1% dirty or something kind of impossible in order for them to take it back. Otherwise, these recycling facilities get dinged or will cost them money to send it to China um, so, so many of them are fearful of that because they would lose money on it that they've just stopped selling it to them. And China has just basically stopped taking our goods back. So it's become this huge issue. And now, um, a lot of places in the U.S. are just not recycling at all. It's just going to the landfill because it's costing so much money to actually recycle that towns are like, we can't afford this. Mm-hmm. There's been an article in the New York Times like a week or two ago about it. Like, towns are just not recycling. So it's like, what do you do? <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, and it's pretty scary, but um, from my aspect, even from, like, a makeup component, like, these hard plastic, like, think about a compact that has a mirror in it and screws and magnets, 
Mirrors and magnets are completely unrecyclable, so I remove them from my product. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only that, magnets are mined in certain places in the U.S. in terrible mining conditions, so I didn't Mm -hmm. want anything to do with that with my products, but it's crazy thinking how many magnets there are in everything that we own. Um, So I just, like, from an ethical perspective, like, I just didn't want to put things in my packaging that could end up in a landfill. So um, my pallets are all paper pallets, which is not anything new, but it's all FSC certified paper, which means it's taken from forests where it's um, it's not just stripped away, that basically it's created in a way that the forest can still grow and it's taken in an ethical fashion. And then the inks used, even the inks on paper, just because something's paper doesn't mean it can get recycled. So if there's like different... Um, processes on how um, things are printed. So the ink that's used on my products can make the products more easily be recycled. Wow. Yeah. So did you figure all this out? Um, Like, did you kind of know how to do this because of your time at Sephora? Or was it like you had to figure all this out once you left? Yeah. So it's a little bit like playing Tetris. And it's like figuring out a puzzle, right? So the formulation piece to me is the easiest part about it. Mm -hmm. And that I learned at Sephora. Just learning formula and learning what the client wants and learning about trends. Like, that I learned at Sephora. The packaging piece I really learned on my own and learned even when I was going, I still didn't even know what I wanted when I was designing it and like mm-hmm. how eco-friendly to be like the mirrors and magnets piece I didn't even learn until halfway through um, designing the packaging. So then I was able to remove them and react in time to not have it in my product. Um, but it's funny because I get comments either way. Like pe- people really like that there's no mirror in there, but they also like it because mirrors tend to break yeah. and they're heavy. So people are like, I love traveling with your palette because it's like, you know, just, it doesn't weigh anything. Yeah. Um, and the makeup artists that I use at Sephora, they're like, all these palettes break all the time with the mirrors. But then I get people on the other side that they're like, oh, this palette's so expensive. Like there's no mirror in it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, it's like you're paying for organic food. Like you're paying 20% higher for organic food. It's the mm-hmm. same with my ingredients. Like the cost of my goods... I had a, like, blogger once rip apart the brand, which more, you know, to each their own. Mm -hmm. But she was saying, like, all the cost of my goods was because of my packaging and how, like, highly designed it was and all this stuff. And I was like, no, 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 I designed it. I'm free. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the cost of the goods is literally in the formula because I'm using these organic and fair trade ingredients and I'm substituting synthetic mica and other stuff. And it's just, like interesting hearing people's perspectives that actually um yeah just they just assume certain things about the brand so yeah yeah wow yeah it's really cool that you have not compromised because I was thinking that when you were explaining all this process I was like that's probably way more expensive on your end oh 100% than it like could be totally so I think that's really cool and and then I appreciate that about thank your brand you. and you. Yeah. And they've been able to stick through through all this growth. Yeah. And on top of it, so I only use formulators that are in the US or Europe. Like I won't ever use formulators that are in China. Mm-hmm. So like sure, you want cheap makeup, there's cheap makeup out there for you, right? And um, even when I was at Sephora, like we weren't allowed to formulate in China. Like China is known for swapping things for cheaper products because China is all about the cost of goods. So even when I was in fashion, like, it was just 
you are subcontracted and subcontracted that you don't even know from a brand perspective who's actually making your goods, right? Because yeah. it's just literally to the penny on how cheap something can be. And it's the same with makeup. Like people are substituting other things because they're cheaper, which is why I don't know if you heard, but Claire's just had that huge asbestos um, recall with all of their kids' makeup products. Oh my gosh. Um, And all made in China. And Claire's actually just filed for bankruptcy because of it. This is actually the second time it's happened with Claire's. But I'm like, I have a little girl. Like, I'm like, I, you know, you see these cheap things in cheap places, like, you're paying for cheap ingredients. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's like the scariest thing, like really be aware of where your products are coming from and thinking about the actual cycle. Like it's probably not coming from a good source and you're probably supporting, you know, not ideal working conditions. So do you have any tips for someone who is wanting to get into clean beauty or wanting to know, like, I know there's that app think dirty or wanting to know like how they can know where they're, you know, all these things about the brand, like mm-hmm. how can you figure that out about certain brands or any tips for someone that's interested in this kind of thing? Yeah. So if you're interested in clean beauty in particular, like I really sort of look, it's really been nice to partner with retailers that put a foot in the ground and do a ton of research on ingredients. So Credo Beauty and Detox Market and like Beauty Heroes are three of my favorite. There's lots of like local mom and pops like Lemon Lane and um, Aaliyah and all these other clean beauty companies, but Credo, Detox, and um, Beauty Heroes are probably the largest. So they have their own, for lack of a better term, Credo about what ingredients you can't use, and yeah. they'll tell you why. Like my brand, you can go on my website and read about the ingredients if you want, because I want to educate people. Right. But it's like you have to be a chemist in order to understand um, what these ingredients are. Yeah. So that's why I like saying these other retailers because they've done the work and it makes it easier for a client to just go on there and you can trust the retailer that they're mm-hmm. doing it. And same with like the Clean at Sephora campaign. So they have a little green symbol um, and they ban certain ingredients, but I know the ingredient ban list is longer at a credo or detox market. Um, If you want to know if a brand is like vegan or cruelty free or stuff like that, like a lot of people really like Logical Harmony's website. Uh, Tashina does a really good job. Um, There's lots of, you know, influencers in this space too to follow, like that's Chelsea or Hello Sam and a lot of cool, clean beauty people. But Mm -hmm. Um, Think Dirty is an app, sure, that you um, take a picture of the product or you can look at a certain product and it'll give you a rating, but it just doesn't have everything on there. So you can also always contact the company. If a company is not saying they're clean, they're probably not clean. So (laughs) yeah, nobody's going to like all of a sudden just like be clean because Mm -hmm. it's a large (laughs) process. So the brand probably is talking about clean beauty if you go on their site in order to know if they're clean or not. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, if someone is wanting to develop a product line, where should someone start? They should start by working for a brand first, number one. Like, I would never recommend someone just going out and starting their own beauty brand without having worked in beauty. Like, it will cost you so much more in mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I always say it's better to make mistakes on someone else's dime and really understand the process yeah. before you do it. And on top of it, that's how you make the relationships. 
Because if you're just going to go blindly, you're going to maybe meet a manufacturer that maybe is going to take advantage of you or yeah. it's just trickier. It's just harder. Like I wouldn't do it. I'm exhausted now and I have all these like <laughs> contacts, right? So yeah. like I truly believe in, you know, even just a few years, just like even having a mentor in the space, maybe not necessarily working for someone, but I highly, highly recommend working for someone because mm-hmm. you really get to see what they're dealing with, even if you're not working directly on that piece, you yeah. know? And you can probably, it'll probably help you decide if that's actually something you want to do. Totally. Once you see all yeah. the behind the scenes. Totally. Because I'm sure it's not as glorious as it. Once you see the beautiful No, people product. always, like, I always had a joke in Sephora. It's like, oh, my husband thinks I work with, like, makeup all day. Like, no, you, like, try things on for a few minutes here and there, but you're doing, like, you know, you're writing briefs, you're doing presentations, you're answering emails, you're running a job, yeah. Um, yeah. sort of deal. And, like, sure, you get, like, free goodies, which that is a reason to work for someone, right? That's mm-hmm. a great job perk. But um, you're not, like, you know, sitting there all pretty all day. Yeah, a like lot of times I actually, like, I would have one eye green or one, with one eyeliner on one side and one side contoured and, like, always <laughs> trying brushes. And I'd, like, go home on the BART in San Francisco and I'm like, why the hell is everyone looking at me? Which, for San Francisco, like, you can look whatever. <laughs> then I get home and my daughter's like, oh, you look pretty. And as soon as she would say that, I'd be like, uh-oh, what did I forget to take <laughs> off? And she was, like, three at the time, you know, yeah. thinking, like, everything looks good. So, Aww, that's yeah. So funny. That yeah. Wow. Well, this is very informative. Yeah, this is so cool. Yay. Um, I don't think we had anybody on our podcast that has, like, um, uh, their own makeup that they've designed. Or that has worked for Sephora or yeah. for a big brand. Or that's in mass products. retailers. Yeah. <laughs> this is so cool. Yay. Okay, I had another question about PR. So with your, yes. you said, like, that was a big yes. step to getting your foot into all these big retailers. Yep. Did you just hire... The PR and they take care of it all or like how does that work? Yeah, so um, I couldn't afford a firm. So every firm I talk to, they're telling me quotes anywhere from like $10,000 a month to more. And I was like, no, I can't afford that. Yeah. Um, and I kept just going to firm after firm after firm. And I'd be like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I like finally like just befriend, uh, befriended a CEO at one of these firms. I was like, what would you do if you were me? Because I can't afford you guys mm-hmm. and I can't afford anyone. And she was able to recommend someone that she used to work with that just started her own thing, like her own small business. And so, you know, I just tested it with her because usually these contracts are three-month minimum. Yeah. Um, so you never know what you're going to get. And in PR, you know, it takes time. It's relationships, which I think is why everyone says three months because, A, print takes three months long if you get something in. Like, you're not going to see it for three months. But... It is knocking on the door repeatedly. It is having these relationships to getting people willing to listen and give you some amazing PR. So mm-hmm. they, she had her own contacts. I wasn't like X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's pretty like there's a good list of places to be, yeah. you know? So it's not like we were not on the same page about where I should be product-wise and PR-wise. Yeah. Um, and then she had a great list of influencers. So I have worked with some incredible influencers in this space um, who are lucky enough, who I'm lucky enough that want to support the brand. Because um, mm-hmm. a lot of influencers, I can't afford to pay them either. So it's been organic in that, which has been great. That is great. Um, I'm just hoping to be able to like rev up and revenue and all that stuff to be able to pay all these amazing people that I've had the privilege of working with too Mm because they have been great brand ambassadors just organically 
So that's yeah, cool. but it is a combination. Like I don't think I would be where I like you get sort of the industry cred with like the magazines, but you really get the street cred with like influencers and like these clean beauty retailers too. So it's they say there's some statistic like uh, somebody has to see your brand six to seven times before they might purchase or like trust the brand. Right. Um, and I would even guess that a clean beauty brand would have to be even beyond that because that client is usually savvy because they want to learn about ingredients and they want to make sure you're clean. I get questions all the time about certain ingredients. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it takes a lot for to <laughs> purchase something. So that's cool. Yeah. So again, relationships and I'm, I mean, I guarantee it all comes back that you have this amazing product and that you have all these values that you've made sure to stand behind. Yeah. And that's probably why it's resonating with so many people. Totally. Which is so cool. And I just became a certified B corporation, which means I'm a company that um, makes ethical decisions for where Mm -hmm. I'm sourcing things and for every, all the values with my company, which is very unheard of in the makeup space. So you see it a lot with clothing brands Mm -hmm. or with food brands a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to be able to have that status. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Yay. exciting. That's really cool. Um, I feel like we should have asked this in the beginning, but what does aether mean? Oh yeah. So aether itself is a really old word. So the Greeks believe, uh, the Greeks believed it was the air that the gods breathed and Aristotle considered it the fifth element to earth, air, fire, water. So it's sort of this medieval concept of the cosmos. So it's a very cosmic feeling brand and that's why I add the crystals and all these kind of cosmic elements to it. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So where do you see your brand, like, in a couple years, two years, five years, in the future? Like, what are your goals? Totally. Well, being a product developer, I've been developing product, um, and I have about two years of product lined up. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm working on, for this July, I'm launching cheek palettes and individual highlighters. Um, I'm launching some really cool stuff for holiday. And then next year, I'm working on really building out a whole makeup um, line. So foundation, primer, eyeliner, mascara, to really sort of have like a full-fledged, like, 40 to 50 skew um, brand mm-hmm. um, and then hope it hopefully like growing in places like Sephora and like being able I am EU compliant so I just received certification for that so that means that's another fun hurdle mm-hmm. um, all the laws around cosmetics are different in every country and so you have to um, go through all these processes in order to be approved in order to sell there yeah um, so I am Canadian compliant compliant but I just became EU compliant so I can expand in the EU. Amazing. I'm already in New Zealand Australia so um, and then being able to go to specific outlets in Asia I'm very excited for. Mm -hmm. Um, I know people get hot on the subject of China but I'm not in China Um, but I'm like I, I don't know if you've been aware of any of the legislation that's been like slowly changing but I do know a lot of huge conglomerates are trying to change the law in China because you have to um, test on animals in order to sell your products there if yeah. you're importing so um, many brands won't sell to China but it mm-hmm. is a huge market for people so um, China's just far behind when it comes to the rest of the world so people yeah. are working on legislation to change that law so I'm hoping for that in the industry in general. Yeah. Hopefully that does change. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So you have yeah. really big goals. Yeah. Are you already working on these products? Like, 
as we yes, speak. Yes, totally. So and does it take that long to get a product? So I, normally it takes a year from like ideation to like having product on hand to sell. Yeah. Um, and that's a normal tie line. So if you have something a little bit more difficult or if you have something like packaging, holding something up. So packaging, you have to do testing on your packaging to make sure the formula is compliant with the packaging because your formula can actually change. Like it could interact with the plastic. It could interact with the glass and like oh, change the formula. Yeah. yeah it's like all these crazy things you have to do. But who knew, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of things like that kind of extend the timeline too, but a year is pretty standard. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is... So you... But you... Wait, you launched in January? I launched last June. Last yeah. June. Okay, so... so it's, yeah, so, did, so were you working on your product the year before that? So I've been working on stuff for... Um, ideating and putting it to paper or like for a few months, but the product development was super fast for me. So like I said, like paper, you don't have to test with. Yeah. So something like a foundation that takes a lot longer. So my first products were way shorter than a year mm-hmm. um, because I was just trying to get to market, but now like a, like a normal timeline for products a year. So, but you, but you, um, like I'm working on like 30 things right now. So it's not like you work on one for a year, another for a year. Right. Like you work on them all, all at the same time. Yeah. So when are you hiring your assistant? I know. <laughs> or right? anybody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. So I'm hoping to, so I've been talking to some people about some funding. So I'm hoping to secure funding relatively soon. And so I can hire some people to basically help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. I know. Good luck. Thank you. Sounds well, like- congrats on creating this incredible brand thank you I'm like really impressed Yay. I can't wait to try it out Yay! so exciting yeah and I can always give like if you want like 20% off for your listeners like I can oh, do yeah. like like beauty mavens like just that code for 20% off too for your listeners Let's like do it yeah. yeah totally cool okay Yay. so 20% off yep. with the code beauty mavens yep and let's What's the website for yeah, them to get it? Oh, yeah. So it's Aether Beauty Co. So that's A-E-T-H-E-R Beauty C-O. Same with my Instagram. So come and follow me, please. See what's going on. See where I am in the world because I also travel like crazy. So it's fun to be like, where? My, my PR person's like, I keep playing like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego with you? Like, <laughs> it's just like, where are you today? I'm like, yeah, Palm Springs. But fun. yeah. So anyway. But yeah, Instagram and AetherBeautyCo.com. Perfect. Yay. So make sure you guys check her out on Instagram. And while you're at it, be sure to check us out at Beauty Mavens Collective. And thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. It was so fun. We loved hearing your story. And it's really cool to, like, feel your passion behind the brand. And you've obviously done so much research. And, like, you're – I just think it's so cool that you're, like, sticking to your values and working so hard to – change the industry and to fill that gap so that's amazing yes Yes. and then we will see you all next week xo beauty mavens Mavens.